It's a little bit different to what we normally do. Normally we, we get straight in with a real fast song, but I really have had it on my heart. I wanted to sing I Exalt Thee, and uh, I wonder if you'd sing that with me. Wait. 
living is Is the love if it was, am I living it? Do I live in it? So astounding Love is the ocean, you can drown it Sweet embrace, the lovely taste Taste the sea, I'm under the grace, the place to be Means I don't ever need an umbrella Cool and cold in the hot weather Whether or never I ever understand I'm a man in the hands of bracelet Damn faith in life, I'm known to touch Till outside that clutch I'm like, what's the dream of? What's the moment? What's the time for me to know me?
8, it says, uh, Romans 8, 38, it says, And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for tomorrow nor our worries about today. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing in all creation. We're singing, we're free, we're alive because of Jesus. And the Bible tells us that nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So come on, I want us to sing that, uh, I suppose it's the bridge or, or chorus one more time or a few more times. And come on, let's not engage with our minds, but let's engage with here. Let's engage with our hearts. nothing in all this world can separate us from His love. Come on, give someone, give someone next to you a high five because that's awesome. Cool. Hey, why don't you grab a seat? It's good to see you tonight. You know, so often we can say, oh, welcome, and oh, if you're new here. But um, if you're a regular here at Activate Church and you've regularly come to our gatherings, I want to say it's awesome to have you if you're part of our church family. It's so good to have you here tonight. But if you are new to Activate, this is your first or second time, I want to say a massive welcome to our gathering. And um, as you leave, just to, just to get a little bit of information about who we are, we've got some white bags at the back that tell you a little bit about who we are. So church, would we just uh, give a hand to welcome our guests? Awesome. Now I know the uni semester starts back to tomorrow, but um, has anyone had a birthday? I know Geneva, you had something happen. Has anyone had a birthday or anniversary in this last week? Yeah, Geneva, you can come up, because you came up this morning, well done. Has anyone else had a birthday or anniversary? Lana, Lana. Yeah, come up, yeah, come on. Yeah, give her a clap as she comes. Shot Lana. So it's 20? 20 for Geneva and 19 for Lana. Hey church, why don't we stand? This is an awesome way to pray blessing. This is, this is involvement, this isn't passive, but we're all doing this together. 
Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favor, prosperity, and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Do you guys get chocolate? Cool. Hey, well, it's awesome to have you all here tonight. I've got a couple of highlights that you'll be seeing up behind me, but in the seat pocket in front of you, you'll be seeing um, a faith commitment card. And can I really encourage you? Uh, this is giving to missions. And take one away and pray about it. Don't just go, oh, I don't do that. I don't have the cash. Because this is a faith commitment card. It's not about what you can do right now. Walk, go away and pray about it and say, God, what, what could I give? Because... Uh, can I tell you from my own personal experience, when you uh, seek God and ask what He wants you to give, He will provide a means for you to pay it, for, for you to give it. Uh, and I've found that in my own life. So have a look at that. Uh, and we've also got another couple of mission things. We've got a missions communication card and it looks like a little postcard. And that's, um, if you fill out some, just write a little message on it, that's going to Kay Fickling who's in Belgium at the moment. So can I encourage you to write on that and we'll send that away to her just to encourage her and support her over there. There's also a postcard that tells you a little bit about what Brent Weaver's doing, uh, which is fantastic, so have a read. We also have a men's breakfast coming up this Saturday. So if you're a guy, we're going to be looking at some pretty relevant issues uh, that we all deal with to a certain extent. So can I encourage you, if you're a guy, any bloke just to be there. Uh, get along because it's going to be a fantastic time. And uh, next weekend is Mother's Day. There we go. We've got Mother's Day coming up next weekend. So we've got a 10 a.m. gathering and a 6 p.m. So if you haven't got anything sorted for your mum, probably now is a good time to start looking into that. Uh, but 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. So I look forward to seeing you there. Hey, well, it's my privilege to invite up Sally McDougall. And she is going to share for a few minutes uh, around... Uh, mission prayer team. So come on, let's give her a clap as she comes. Hi, I'm Sally and I've been coming to Activate um, for 12 years that I've been in Hamilton and I've been 11 years on the missions team. Yay! So I'm a teacher and um, I teach this game called Silent Beanbag and you have to have your eyes focused looking wherever or whoever's got hold of the beanbag. So keep an eye out because the beanbag might be going to be thrown your way and you need to be focused where the beanbag is. So, if you'd said to me 14 years ago I was going to be up here talking about pre-groups, I would have said, no way. Pre-groups are boring and they're for old people. Well, I'm pleased to say I'm converted um, I host a prayer group and I also attend a prayer group and they are not boring, they're exciting and um, through those groups I um, get to build relationships with not only the missionaries but the other people that attend the groups. Um, my faith is increased, I get to hear stories and then I have all these awesome stories to share with other people and God uses me, there'll be somebody beside me that'll be praying away and I'll have a picture in my head and, oh, what they're saying matches what's in my head. And that's no coincidence. So that's cool how God uses me as well. And that's affirmed through my participation in these pre-groups. So because I have a relationship um, through attending the pre-groups, I got to go to China. 
and um, that was us in China visiting Grant and Vicky uh, last year, and um, I, I, I led a team there. Um, so on the next slide we've got, oh, so there's Grant and Julie and Colin and Mike. Julie and Colin, they host the um, Grant and Vicky's, sorry, they are the contact people for Grant and Vicky's uh, prayer group. They're now currently in Hong Kong. And um, about yeah, six weeks ago, we were Skyping Grant, and he said to us that they really need an apartment. They were staying in a backpackers, and it was costing them three times the rent of an apartment, and it was just a little room. And uh, so we prayed that night. At 3 a.m. the next morning, I got an email saying that a contact that they'd had some time ago um, phoned them. The wife likes to quilt. Their apartment isn't big enough to quilt, so they have an apartment for her to quilt. Would they like to stay in that apartment free of charge and for the time frame that they needed? I got to hear about that because I attended a prayer group, and that just um, encourages my faith and builds me up an awesome story. God's goodness. Um, Mike was on the, yep, there's Mike, and I think, is Mike here? I don't think he is, but I think some of you will know Mike. Um, he hosts, uh, is the contact person for Kay Fickling and the Burtons in Belgium. Um, their prayer group meets on the second Wednesday of every month. Um, I'm the contact person and host for the prayer group for Christine and Andy Harding. Uh, this is a selfie on the way to the airport, uh, Christine leads OMF uh, for Southeast Asia. Um, last year, Christine had a member of her family who went to the doctor, had tests done, and it showed that it was likelihood of cancer in their lungs. They went to another doctor, um, got uh, had some more tests done, and it was completely clear. I know about that because. I was part of the prayer group. We were part of the process of hearing about it, praying about it, and again, hearing of God's goodness. We have Peter and Well Martin, and that's arrive, them arriving in Auckland Airport earlier this um, year. They serve in Thailand, and our contact person for them for our prayer meeting is Graham Fullerton. Um, on the other side is the house church where they meet um, a couple of weeks ago, Nongping Village. And uh, I think we've got Nicole somewhere. Eyes on Nicole. She's got the beanbag. So her and Luke are leading a team to Thailand uh, next April. And um, if you attend this prayer meeting, you'll be a part of that process, um, preparing the way for them to go and those villages that they'll visit and be a part of and um, worship and bless while they're there, you can hear about them in the, in the journey before, during, and after if you attend that prayer group. Yep. <laughs> Beanbag. Close. Um, we've got Rob and Ria Gimerick serving in Indonesia. Um, that's on the third Monday of the month. And um, Mike Artinian is the contact person for them. And my second day, second Sunday at this church 12 years ago, um, I got to hear a guy that came up and a couple of weeks beforehand they'd been praying for um, the church over there and somebody had a picture or words of a rumbling and so they prayed for safety 
for um, Rob and Rhea and the people that they work with. A week after they had been praying was the tsunami. And uh, all their people that Rob and Rhea work with, they got to the high ground and they were safe. So I got to hear about that, the prayer that went in before and hearing God's goodness afterwards. Then we've got Sheila and Dave Chater. They serve in China. And we've got Gloria and Pete who are um, the contact people for them. Last week, uh, some of you might have got to hear um, Anna and Nam in the morning services. They serve in, um, they live in Vietnam, but they serve across Vietnam, Asia, and all the way to Africa. And um, I really felt convicted as Anna went to walk off the stage. She said um, how important prayer was and that they were constantly in battle. And I just felt so convicted that we needed a prayer group for them. And um, so I've been praying about that this week. And last night I emailed our missionaries and I said, hey, I'm talking about prayer. I really feel convicted. We need a prayer group for them. I shared in the 9 a.m. service. At the end of the 9 a.m. service, I had a couple come forward wanting to host it. Somebody else coming forward wanting to be a part of it. So there, God answers prayer. And um, so that'll be a prayer group um, that'll be starting up and we'll let you know the times and day of the month when that is. So I just want to pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you that Activate has a heart for missions and that through our prayer we can be a part of what's going on across the world. You tell us, Lord, that we not everybody is to go, but we are a part of the going, the praying and the giving, Lord. And so we just thank you that we can be a part of, of your, um, your role in saving the world, Lord. Amen. Cool. Thanks, Sally. Isn't that cool? We can uh, be involved with people who are halfway around the world uh, and do something that's crucial. Prayer is crucial. And uh, Sharon's going to bring an awesome word soon about that. But before that, I'd uh, like to invite John Purden to come and share communion with us. So let's give him a clap as he comes. How's it going? Perfect. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. There was a part of that scripture that stuck out to me. And it was the part that says, for whenever you eat this bread, and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And I, I, was, I was thinking it was, it was strange to me, and I was just wondering, why am I to proclaim his death? I don't want to be proud that my Savior died. I don't want to think about my God dying. I don't want to think that the all-knowing, the all-powerful, the conqueror of death, Christ the King, died. I thought, he's risen. Why think about that? But I came to the conclusion I was being selfish. Selfish because I only wanted to think about the good parts of Jesus' story. 
I want to skip the torture, the beating, the mocking, the persecuting, and the crucifixion. Jesus died because he loves you. He died to set you free from your sin. He went through immense amounts of pain and suffering because he loves you. That lashing he took was because because of the thought I had the other day. The crown that was stuck into his skull was because when I was younger, I stole from people. The beating on his head was because I had hate in my heart. The people spitting on him was because of my failure. And that's only me. I say this not to condemn, but to give sin a name. It's easy to say, Jesus died for our sins. You can just say that. Jesus died for our sins. But it's hard to say, Jesus died for a murderer. It's hard to say, Jesus died for that thief that stole from your house. It's hard to say that Jesus died for an adulterer. Jesus died for you and me. He died so that I can throw the title of failure, thief, murderer, and adulterer away. He died so that my title and your title could be loved. So when we take the bread and the cup, we proclaim the death of Jesus because of what that means for us. We remember that his body was broken for us. Remember that his blood was spilled for us. Jesus found a way to set us free from sin. Jesus went to the cross because he loves us. Yeah. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for dying for us. Thank you for the horrible things that you went through just to set us free. Lord, thank you that our titles are not failure, thief, murderer, adulterer anymore. Thank you that our titles are loved. Amen. Take it in your own time.
my heart will sing no other name Jesus 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 Scripture tells us that if we tell a mountain to move and believe in our hearts, it will move. And a mountain is an obstacle. We tell an obstacle to move. We've got faith it'll move. It'll move. Yeah? Yep. So we've got Denisha and her family. Come and stand with me. Yeah, come and stand with me. We've got Denisha and her family who are having all sorts of problems with immigration. And there's a mountain that needs to move. And they've done everything they can. Is your mum here? Oh, come. Come out here. Anyone else in the family here? Great. Bring the whole family. All of you come. Yeah, great. All come. That's better than I'd hoped. Fantastic. So these guys have done everything they can with immigration and they keep coming up with it's not happening and there's a chance that you know if it doesn't happen they're going to have to go back to South Africa but but the Bible says tell that obstacle to move and it'll move so if you have faith tonight why don't you come and gather around the family don't come if you've got no faith don't want you sorry I just don't Because I reckon, I reckon, oh, you guys go that way, I'll go this way. I've got the mic, I can be heard anywhere. Crowding around them a little bit. Come on, we're going to tell the mountain to move tonight. We're going to declare it by faith. Our mountain tonight is that we need favour in immigration. And when they put their case together, they're putting the best thing they can in early this week. We need a favourable response from immigration. So come on, let's start to cry out to God for that. Mountain, move! Mountain, move! Come on, lift your voices. Let God hear you. Let God hear you. No, it's not acceptable. Father, we need a yes from immigration. Father, move that mountain in Jesus' name. Let favour, let favour rest on this family in the name of Jesus. Where there were no's, let there be yeses. In Jesus' name, we declare it by faith. Yes and amen. 
I want you to declare, to declare the words, mountain be moved. Ready? One, two, three. Mountain be moved in the name of Jesus. Declare it. Amen. How about giving Jesus a big hand tonight? He is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we can hope, dream or imagine. Amen. Amen. What an honour to stand with you guys. Get some err behind it. Yeah. You're doing all right? You guys rock. Thanks so much. Awesome. How about giving the band a great big thank you for leading us? Well, let me just mention a couple of things to you before I get going. Um, we had an experiment happening on Wednesday nights. Uh, we're do- having a gathering on Wednesday nights. And... Um, it was pretty cool. It was a lot of fun doing it. And I uh, really enjoyed hanging out with the people there. But um, yeah, yeah, Ray showed us a new skill on the projector. It was really good. Actually, Owen's got this thing about things being just right. And every time he turned around, Ray was changing all the slides behind him and he couldn't see. It was hilarious. Anyway, you, you probably had to be there. Um, anyway, we've decided not to carry on the Wednesdays. Oh, oh. Oh, but, but, there's more. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we have Momentum Prayer once a month on a Tuesday night. And what we've decided we're going to do is we're going to pray every Tuesday night. Yeah, yeah. 7.30 to 8.30 p.m. down here. There will always be someone praying here on a Tuesday night, 7.30 to 8.30. And I want to invite you to get involved with that. Come down and get involved. Come and pray for an hour. And um, let's get before God and build a great foundation of prayer. So that's what we're doing. That's that happening this week. Pastor Ray's going to lead it this week. It'll be awesome. The other thing I want to tell you tonight about tonight is we've got Shane Willard coming. Shane is a personal friend of mine. And um, he, he's an American guy, which is all right. And um, he's coming in a couple of weeks' time. He's going to be here on Saturday the 14th. He's going to be here on Sunday the 15th with us. But on Saturday the 14th, I have asked him if he can specifically spend a few hours with the senior high schoolers, varsity students, young professionals, and anyone who else who wants to come there is more than welcome. But I've asked him to target that age group because the statistics, the, st- the statistics for young people falling away from faith when they go to university in our country are horrendous. And Shane is going to unpack how we can respond when we are challenged with ideas that we don't understand or counter what we believe in university or in our places of learning. Shane has a unique gift of communication. He's very good at teaching. And you don't have to agree with everything he says, but he will make you think. But what he's going to do on the Saturday particularly is he's going to give you tools, put tools in your hands so that if you come up against a professor or something that mocks your faith or anything else, you'll have some tools in your toolbox of how you can respond. And so if you're a senior high schooler, if you're a varsity tech student 
whatever the case, Vision College, wherever you are, I recommend that Saturday the 14th, 10 to 3, I think it is, that you're down here with Shane. Now, we're going to receive an offering for him. I want you to be generous in the offering. He, all he, he lives by faith. All he does is travel and speak. But we've put no charge on it at all because I don't want any excuses why you can't be here. I am not the right person to equip you in this way, but he will be sensational. Okay? So put that in your diaries. Put it now. Even get your phones out now. 14th May, 10 to 3. Shane Willard's going to be amazing. So, let's pray, eh? Yeah, let's pray. Father, I thank you for our opportunity tonight. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would shift something in us tonight. Holy Spirit, I have faith that you'll put a marker in the ground right now, 1st of May, 2016. And that we will be able to look back to this marker as a pivotal moment in our faith journey. Holy Spirit, I pray that it's pivotal because we said, yes, we'll be obedient and yes, we'll cooperate with you. Not because we said, nah, it's too hard. But I ask tonight that you would stir our hearts, that you would stir our spirits, that you would demand a response from us. And that the response would bring glory to you. The response would see uh, your kingdom established further and greater in our lives and beyond our lives. That our response will have effects that go to the nation and the nations. So I ask for faith in this room tonight. And I ask for courage. Religious spirits, you've got no right to interfere with what God wants to say tonight. And I command you to leave in Jesus' name and that ears are unblocked, that eyes are open, that minds are open, hearts are open, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Are you ready? I'm going to give you a warning up front. I'm on the same theme all today because I really believe that God wants to shift something in us. And I'm not going to take it easy on you, okay? You can go home punch drunk. You'll be all right. Sleep it off. Wake up in the morning with conviction that things are going to change. The WWF, does that still happen? What is it now? It used to be the World Wrestling Federation, eh? <laughs> What's it called now? WWE, is it? So that's WWE. So that's, that's like Hulk Hogan and this is the old days, eh? This is old school. Yeah, yeah. John Cena and all those fellas. What's that big guy? Dwayne Johnson and all those fellas. So there's that. And what's the other one? The other one's actually when they really give each other a beating. MMA. What's that? Mixed martial arts. So the, the wrestling one's all fake. They just slap the floor and make loud noises. The other one... They, they try to kill each other. It's severe. It's severe. I believe that what, God, what God's saying to us tonight is not the wrestling. It's not the fake one. It's the real one. And he doesn't want to kill you, so don't panic. But he wants you to take seriously what he's saying to us tonight, okay? It's the real deal. 
I've got a conviction, I've got a weight on me around this message, which I have not felt for a long, long time. And I know that God wants to make an adjustment in our lives, and you need to hear it with that gravity. We're not just slapping the floor tonight, trying to make loud bangs and throw people in chairs out of boxing rings, okay? Tonight, God means business, except he's smiling and he's not out trying to kill you, Just probably not a good picture. When I was in India a couple of weeks ago, um, I had to prepare for a seminar, a pastor's conference, and there are, I don't know, 200, 250 pastors there that came in, they're all church planners from around the place, and we, three of us, were the guest speakers for the conference, and it was fairly last minute that I was given this information, and that was all cool, we were, you know, organising stuff, and I wrote off and said to Wayne Swift, who we were with, I said, so is there any particular subjects that we should be aiming at? And he came back to me and said, no, you can pretty much do what you want, but don't preach about prayer. Because you got nothing on these guys when it comes to prayer. These guys know what it is to pray. These guys know what it is to get before God and to really, really pray. We cannot teach them anything there. And I thought, it's a bit sad, really, when that's the state of things. That we're coming from a Western nation to a place like India, and they're going, you know, you can teach us a lot of things, but prayer, nah. You can't teach it. We know what it is to pray. And I felt quite convicted about that, and I felt convicted about it on many fronts. One of the fronts was that, God has told us very, very clearly as a church, two years in a row, build me a house of prayer. Build me a house of prayer. So I went to India with my eyes wide open, looking at this situation, as well as everything going, with the stirring, with this conviction in my heart that God has told us to build a house of prayer. I've just been warned that we probably can't teach them anything about prayer, so they've got it down. So I want to look and see and taste and feel and hear what their prayer life looks over there, like looks like over there. And I met this lady called Sangeeta. Just a little lady. She's a giant in faith. She's a giant in her prayer life. Her and her husband got sent out to plant churches, and what that means in uh, the environment is they would have been given a bicycle, probably one to share, and a Bible, and said, go, good luck, plant churches. And they would have gone off and done it. And they went, and they went into their village, and they made traction, and they planted churches. And I think someone told me, I'm not 100% sure, but I think they said they had planted something like 50 churches now. And um, so they went into the village and they were planting churches and this upset the culture and the hierarchy of the village. And the outcome of it was that they attacked and they beat her husband into an, within an inch of his life. Broken bones. He was seriously injured. Broken bones, internal organs. He was very, very damaged. Over time, he healed and as soon as he was well enough, they were out there planting churches some more. Seeing churches established and strengthened and growing in their area. The lady got to that stage in her story, Sangeeta, and then the tears started to come as she was 
cheering and she started to struggle. It was all through an interpreter, but she started to struggle for words and, and you could just feel the emotion in the room. It was like, my goodness. And I was looking at this lady thinking, you've got incredible faith. You've put it all on the line to do what God's called you to do, but there's something going on here that I don't get. Why are the tears coming? And then she carried on and she said, one day, my husband had a heart attack and we were so far from help in a hospital that no one could get to him and he died. Left her with two little children. She's got three little children now, so she must have been pregnant at the time. And she's weeping as she said this because she's got this conviction of the call of God on one hand and she's got a broken heart on the other. And you could just see the two wrestling as she tried to get these words out of her mouth. I could have easily just bawled my eyes out with her. It was just like, my goodness, it was powerful. And she prayed and she prayed so passionately. She plants churches. It's what she does. Husband's gone. She plants churches. She had a whole team of church planters there with her. It was amazing. This little lady and the conviction on her life to do what God has called her to do and to walk the path that he's called her to walk and walk it with absolute conviction and not giving up despite what circumstances might throw at her. I almost, I just thought of what she was doing and then I thought of the church in the West, the church in New Zealand. And I thought, man, if we had half the conviction that she's got, if we had half the conviction, how many, don't put your hands up, how many of you in this room have received promises of God over your life, but you've never done anything about it because it was a little bit hard or a little bit scary and you just didn't want to take a step into it? Many of us. Many of us. But the conviction in this lady's heart was amazing. I met a couple in this church some years ago, a Saudi Arabian couple. And they came out from Saudi Arabia because of the persecution there. They feared for their children. And they said, it's, it's just crazy. It's so dangerous. Just being Christians, we can be persecuted. It's terrible. So they came to New Zealand. Six months later, I was talking to them, and they said, this is our last weekend. I said, true, where are you going? They said, back to Saudi Arabia. I said, what do you mean you're going back there? And their words to me were, it was terrifying back there, but we knew what we stood for. Here, we are terrified for the spiritual state of our children because of the grey and the apathy in this nation. That's not a good report on New Zealand culture. That is not a good report at all on New Zealand culture. God has said to us as a church twice, build me a house of prayer. He said two years ago, and we made significant change. Thought we were doing quite, I thought we were doing quite good, actually. And then this year he comes back and he says, build me a house of prayer. Prophetically, again, he spoke it through Steve McCracken very, very clearly. Build me a house of prayer. I didn't feel like God was telling us off, but I knew we hadn't achieved what he had asked us to achieve. And as I've said, Lord, what are you actually asking? I really feel conviction that, you know, we changed, we stepped up to here, but what he's saying is, I want you to go up here. I actually want a complete change in culture. 
of what it is to be a people that pray, of what it is to be a house of prayer. I think if we truly understood what it is to be a house of prayer, if we truly understood what it is to pray, if we truly understood what God was asking it to, we wouldn't have stories like the Saudi Arabian family who come and are terrified by the apathy. We wouldn't go to somewhere like India and see this lady who is passionate about the call of God and out walking the working call of God on her, her life. I wouldn't see that and go, that is so different to our nation. Because it would be what happens in our nation. And God is asking us to build a house of prayer. And I want to talk into that tonight. See, the only thing, only way I think we can measure discipleship is obedience. If you can find another way in the scripture to measure discipleship, let me know. I don't believe it's there. It's obedience. It is the only measure of discipleship. And so God said, build me a house of prayer. I, along with the leaders, are absolutely committed to doing what that means. Not 100% sure what that looks like yet, but we're getting there. We're going to build him a house of prayer. We're going to do what he's asked us to do. In the scripture, Matthew chapter 21, it's also repeated in Luke 19.45 and Mark 11.15. It says this, and this is the scripture I want to um, zoom in on tonight. It says, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. That is a challenging scripture. When you look at it, he says, Jesus entered the temple. It also says, my temple. The temple is the holy place. The temple is the sanctuary. The temple is the residence of God. The temple is the place where God dwells. So he says, my temple will be called a house of prayer. He's talking about that holy place. He's talking about that sanctuary. And he says, but you've turned it. Well, he started, sorry, then he starts to drive out the people who are buying and selling the animals. It's really interesting there because the words say those selling it literally means bartering and buying literally means the marketplace. What you've got to understand here is that Jesus has walked into an environment and it's much like the environment of a... Um, Asian street market or an Eastern street market or an Indian street market. I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of going into one of those street markets, but they're crazy places. They are bustling with people. It's all about, you know, money, bartering, give me this, take that. Your price is too high, your price is too low, all these kinds of things. It's just really intense when you're there. And if you get out without getting robbed, you've done really well. But he's walked into that kind of environment. He, what he thought he was walking into was the temple. Because when he was coming up, he would have seen the temple. It looked like the temple of God. But the second he walked through the gate, he walked into this other world. That was far, far, far from the temple world. It was this crazy market world. Not only was it this crazy market world that was happening inside the temple, but 
it was ripping people off. Because people were bringing their sacrifices to the temple so that they could pray, so that they could get right with God. But what would happen is they would, their sacrifices were, you know, like animals, lambs, beasts, am, lambs, um, doves. They were bringing these animals in and the priests would give them the once over. They checked them all out, top to bottom, all round. And dishonestly, they were disqualifying sacrifices that people were bringing. They had to be blemishless. Um, yeah, that's right, we're not blemishless. Um, and, and, but they, were, they would just look for anything. You go, oh, you can't, you can't have the sacrifice because of that. It doesn't count. But hey, don't worry. It's all right. It's not the end of the world. We'll take this one off your hands. It just so happens that we've got these guys over here who are selling animals. And they would be put in a position where they needed to buy the animal off the traders in the temple, and they were paying four times the price that it was worth. Not only that, it got worse than that, because in the temple, they had their own unique currency that was only used in the temple. So they had to buy the animal at four times the price, but they had to use the temple currency, which the money changers were exploiting them with and making horrendously large charges so they were being exploited for so much money to change the animal. It was just being back-pocketed by the priests. It was a terrible situation. Now, with that picture in mind, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. And he said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer but you've turned it into a den of thieves. When you understand that context, it becomes very clear what's going on, doesn't it? You've got the picture in your head. Den of thieves. Den literally means a cave or a hidden place or a hideout. The word thieves literally means head of rebellion. Interesting. You've turned my, my, place, my, my temple into this place of deception, of evil of exploitation, the very place that God had commissioned. People would come and they would be restored in their relationship to God and leave free. Had turned into a place of thievery and corruption and evil. A place that had been created to come into relationship with God again, had now become a culture that was stopping people connecting with God. God hates religion for this reason. Because religion is a mechanism, and a religion actually keeps people away from God. Relationship is what God is about. All about relationship. John 10.10 10 says... The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I came that you might have life and life in all its fullness. If you're experiencing the kill, steal, and destroy, something's wrong. Because the promise of Jesus is life and life in all its fullness. You imagine if you were a genuine seeker, a genuine person, a genuine God follower, you would have been able to see through this corruption. It would have been heartbreaking. But you were stuck in a system that was ripping you off. People looking on would have seen it. 
and it would have driven them mad. I can imagine them going, ah, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. I can imagine them saying it, going, it's ridiculous, and I can understand it. Verse 12 talks about the dove. And I like that because the dove means different things throughout Scripture. But if you read it here, number one, and understand that the dove was the cheaper of the sacrificial animals. The fact that it was being sold for such a high price, it would have been the poorer people buying the dove. And Jesus, it makes special mention here, turned over the chair of those selling the doves. Jesus cannot stand the poor being exploited. He cannot stand it. He can't stand anyone being exploited. But the dove also is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And when I look at this whole situation, I'm thinking, they were peddling the things of God. They were selling the things of God. They were, you know, they were making money out of it. It was a racket. They were trying to turn a profit out of the things of God. And Jesus was not impressed. As I said, no exploitation of people especially the poor, but no exploitation of God, of people, especially from religion. Jesus hates it. He hates it. So what did Jesus do? He confronted. He came in there and he put his foot down. He wasn't doing the wrestling. He was doing the other deal. It was like, get out of here. He's turning everything over and he's throwing everything around and he's, he's angry. He confronts them. But then after he's confronted them, he reestablishes truth. And the truth is, my temple will be called a house of prayer. That is the truth that he reestablishes in that place at that time. The, the outward signs when he was outside the temple would have been good. It was the temple. The temple, the place of God, the place where people came to connect with God, the place where people were coming to be forgiven. It was the temple. It looked good. It looked very good. But the second he walked through the gate, there was this other, oh, whole other world going inside, on inside, that was pulling down the principles of God. Build me a house of prayer, he said. Here's the deal. What's this mean for you tonight? What does it mean for you tonight? What's it mean for us today? What's God saying when he says to you, build me a house of prayer? What's God say to me when he says, build me a house of prayer? But let me ask you the question. What is God saying to you when he says, build me a house of prayer? Or my temple will be a house of prayer. Well, it's obvious, isn't it? He's, he's talking about the church. The church in New Zealand's a mess, by and large. He's hammering the church, man. Or not? I ask you the question, what's your response when you hear him saying, build me a house of prayer? Because Jesus did not mention the church in that scripture anywhere. He said, my temple will be a house of prayer. He could have said, my church 
will be a house of prayer. But he didn't. He said, my temple will be a house of prayer. He didn't mix up his words. He said what he meant and he meant what he said. What did he mean when he said, my temple will be a house of prayer? Well, let me tell you, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. He's talking to individuals because you are the temple of God. Can we get really, really real for a moment? How many of you look really good, especially on a Sunday? Look at this, I'm a fine specimen of a man. Thank you, appreciate the compliments. Beautiful. Jan took a photo of me, silhouetted in the sunset, carrying my surfboard in last night. Good looking man. Couldn't surf when I was 18, can't surf now, but it was still a good photo. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Look pretty good on the outside. What does God discover when he gets on the inside? When he walks through the gate? What does he discover on the inside of his temple? Does he discover anything any different than what he discovered that day when he walked into this marketplace environment? When he gets inside the temple with you, what is going on behind your eyes? In your head? In your heart? You look like the fine, upstanding Christian citizen, model, perfect Christian on a Sunday, but what's going on on the inside? I'll tell you what's going on on the inside. Mess. It is. Let's just be honest. If you are the perfect Christian, get ready for the fall because it will come. You get on the inside of this temple, all of us have got stuff to work on. None of us is perfect. We have all got stuff to deal with. We've got Jesus is coming and going, I don't like that table, Sheridan. Sheridan, you're not having that one in there. Get rid of that one. He's confronting. Tonight, I believe he wants to come and he wants to confront us with truth. Sorry, he wants to confront us and then he wants to speak truth. To set us free. Because the only way this temple is going to come into order is by building a solid prayer life. Actually, in the book of Acts, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. In other words, if I take that at face value... And I have not got a solid prayer life developing. I'm probably not even a disciple of Christ. Oops, just cancelled a few people's subscriptions there, didn't I? You thought you were Christians. Well, according to this, that includes giving yourself to prayer. And I am absolutely sure that the church in our nation wouldn't be in the state it's in if we were praying like we should pray. Because the evidence says, the symptoms say, it's when you find someone and their life is in trouble or they're struggling with an issue. The issue is a symptom for a heart condition often. 
Something, this, the, what, what is manifesting on the outside is just, it's a symptom of what's really going on inside the person's life, the person's world. So if we look at the church in New Zealand and we go, it's not reflecting what an Acts church looks like. It's not reflecting truly the heart of God. You go, that's a symptom for something else that's wrong. And I want to put to you tonight that a major key factor is we do not pray like God's asked us to pray. We have not built a house of prayer. We have not built a solid foundation of prayer. I watched the youth last week after camp, dancing around the front, celebrating. It was awesome. You want to keep that fervent, that fervent expression going from God. It's not going to happen if by jumping around. That'll be a fruit of your prayer life. It'll be the symptom, the effect, not what makes it happen. It'll be your prayer life that puts you in that place. And God is saying to us, build me a house of prayer. Discipleship is measured by obedience. So if he's saying, build me a house of prayer, I reckon we should build him a house of prayer. And to build a corporate house of prayer, there's two ways to go about it. One is I go, right, we're going to have a prayer meeting there, 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 and we will pray. But that's not going to change the heart of anything. What God is saying is, please accept my invitation to build a house of prayer individually. And then as that overflows and manifests corporately, you will be known as a house of prayer. And the things that he has promised, that he has declared, that he has spoken over us as a church and over us as a nation will come to pass, not because we're working harder, because working harder is only going to be working harder, but because we have built a house of prayer and God has launched us from there. Because when he walks through the gates into the temple, they're going to line up. Wow, that temple looks awesome, walks through the gate. Yes, this is what the temple was made for. It was made for prayer. It was made for my presence. It was made for people to connect. It was made for people to get right with God. It was made so that people would journey with God. And that's what he longs for but it demands a response from us. I'm nearly done, so if the band want to come back, you can. 1 John 5 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Colossians 4, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Mark 11, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it is yours. Romans 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. Matthew 6, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. James 5, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Luke 6, but to you who are listening, I say, 
Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who mistreat you. Acts chapter 1. They all join together constantly in prayer. Along with the woman and Mary and the mother of Jesus and his brothers. John 14. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Matthew 21 to finish 22. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. And I could go on and on and on because it's not if you pray in the Bible, it's when you pray. So here's the deal. Build me a house of prayer is an invitation. It's an invitation to walk with God. It's an invitation to do life with God. It's an invitation to journey with God. It's an invitation to communicate with God. It is the invitation of the gospel. It is the process of discipleship. It is the fruit of a house of prayer. It's the purpose of missions. Jesus will come. He will come into our lives, wherever our lives are right now, whatever state they are right now. And He will walk with us and He will start to get things right. And He's saying, come on, commit. Build me a house of prayer. Build me a house of prayer. Prayer is the hardest work. Don't let me set you up. It is the hardest work. Establishing a good, solid prayer life doesn't come for free. It is hard work. But He's what He's calling us to. I thought when I first was preparing for this message, I thought, you know, it sounds a bit like the church of Laodicea in Revelation. Jesus says, if you're neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth or you make me sick because you're neither hot nor cold. But I don't think it is that. As I ponder, as I look at the landscape, as I listen to what God's saying, I think it's far more like the church of Sardis. And this is what he said to the church of Sardis. And I'm going to stray from the script a little bit. He says, I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive. You've got a great building to come to, to celebrate. There's flash sparkly lights. The band are epic. It looks like you're alive. You jump around the front sometimes. It looks like you're alive. But you're dead. Wake up, he says. Strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. Those are strong words, but they're in the Bible. And I think God is giving us an opportunity to be honest with Him and honest with ourselves and go, you know, as good as this facade looks, it's not cutting it when you walk through the gate, Jesus. I need your help. I need your help. I need your help to build a house of prayer. I need your help to get my life in order. I need your help to get rid of this addiction or that addiction. I need your help to control my tongue. I need your help 
to control my sexual desires. I need your help. I need your help. I need your help because on my own, I am a mess. But Jesus come in and start to make my life whole, start to make my life complete and help me build a house of prayer. Can you close your eyes for one moment, please? Because if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, that's really what all this is about. Prayer is communication. And the offer of Jesus to us is to walk with us in thick and thin, to have wide open communication doors with us. That's what prayer is. And He's saying, come on, communicate with me. Talk to me. He doesn't mind us having a grumpy day with Him. He doesn't mind us saying it as it is. He's saying, talk to me. Walk with me. Do life with me. Build your life on this rock of prayer, on the solid foundation of a house of prayer. And you watch what I'll do. The starting place for that is by coming into relationship with Him. That's our part of the deal. We've got to say, yes, Jesus, I choose you. And maybe you've never, ever done that tonight. Or maybe you have done that and for whatever reason, you've stepped back away from God. You're quite distant from God. Tonight, can I encourage you to get things right with Him? Step up again. There's no surprises for Him. He knows where you're at. And He embraces you right where you're at and says, come on, let's go again. Let's do life's journey together. Let's do this thing together. I'm going to ask you to hold your hand up in just a moment if you want to say, Jesus, tonight I choose you. Tonight I decide to walk with you for the first time or to step back up and walk with you again. And to do that, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And you're not actually responding to me. You're going to be responding to Jesus. You're saying, Jesus, I choose you. I choose to do it your way. Tonight, if you want to say yes to Jesus, while every head's bowed, can you lift your hand now just to let me know? Thank you. I see your hand. That's awesome. Thank you. I see your hands. That's great. I've seen four people lift their hands so far. Five. That's awesome. You can pop your hand down again now. Fantastic. Anybody else? I've seen five people lift their hands. Thank you. I've seen six people lift their hands to Jesus tonight. A couple more seconds. Is there anybody else? I believe that today, I, I've really got a conviction in my spirit. Today is a pivotal moment for many of us where we go either I choose to walk Jesus' way or I choose to walk away. He's given us a clear instruction. He's, you can always come back if you don't die first. But your life will be so different if you pursue Him. awesome. I've seen six people lift their hands tonight. Bible tells me when one person gets right with God, the angels in heaven celebrate. As far as I can read in between the lines, that means heaven just throws this massive party. So for six people tonight, I reckon that's a huge party. Why don't we give them a massive big hand? Brilliant. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, time's gone.
gone a bit long, sorry. But I really believe that God wants to get us to get this message and He wants us to build a house of prayer. And I want you to hear loud and clear that as a leadership, we are going to facilitate building a house of prayer. Because that's what Jesus has asked us to do. The measure of discipleship is not how long you've been a Christian, it's whether you're prepared to be obedient or not. And we're saying, okay, God, you've asked it, we're going to do it. End of story. Help us in that journey. I want to leave you with one final thought if you want to watch the screen about prayer. I'll wait for it to come down or else you'll miss it. And then Pete's going to wrap things up. Yeah, the baptism. It's awesome. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Close enough, eh? Jesus, sorry I'm late. Work was crazy today. No, don't get up. It's okay. Uh, yeah, just got a little bit behind. People are being crazy, you know. That's no problem, Chuck. I'm just glad. No, I'm glad I made it too. Listen, let's get down to business. I have a lot of work here. A lot of requests. First things first, pastor and his wife are at a conference. Keep them safe. Um, I'm not a fan of the assistant pastor. The less he preaches, the better. Uh, what else? Ralph, his wife, is getting a tattoo removed. It's a stupid college party way back when. You know how those things go. It's in a real painful spot. I'm not a fan of football here, but my friend is. And if I could have two tickets to take him to show him how cool I am so he'd be my friend some more, that'd be great. My dog Nibbles has a gimp leg. Chimney crickets. You know, now that I'm thinking, I could use a new jacket. I'm getting fuzzies all in this one. Please bless my sister, my mother, my father. Our father who art in heaven. My neighbor, Cindy. Hallowed be thy name. Can you sort of train my church to clap on two and four, please? One and three, this is not disco, people. This is serving the Lord. The guy who brings in my shopping cart from the thing. Something I can do to get a raise. Can you read what I wrote here? I think I was, I was dreaming. Plus the Secretary of State, the Secretary of Agriculture, the Secretary of Secretaries, bless their secretaries thy kingdom, thy kingdom come. And that's what bothers me about my mother. Hey, look at the time there. That's, uh, uh got to get going there. Jesus going to wrap this up and say amen. Amen. Uh, it's been a pleasure praying with you. It's fine evening. I'll be talking with you. Have a good day. Very cool. Does that look like your prayer life? Hey, come on, let's give our pastor in a hand. That was awesome. Thank you for that. And as he was speaking, there's something within me that, that, I don't know, gets riled up. And it says, I'm going to respond to this. I'm not going to be one who stands back and says, oh, you know, it's not for me. I'm going to be one who's going to say, I'm going to be part of this house of prayer. I want to see this built within me, and I pray that you would too. If we can catch this as a church, that's going to be incredible. So can I encourage you, step in, be encouraged. Don't shy away from the challenge, but step and say, yes, amen, and go after it. Cool? Awesome. 
Hey, well, I want to uh, get Gabby up. She's going to get baptised. So, yeah, give her a hand. Come up. Yeah, come up, come up, come up, come up. So, Gabby has been, how long have you been in New Zealand for? Uh, three months. Three months, and you've been hanging out with Denisha, causing a whole heap of trouble? Yes? Yes, definitely. Pretty much. What a life. Um, but awesome. You're getting baptised tonight. Why do you want to get baptised? Will you share it with us briefly? Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, I want to be closer to God and to build that relationship. I believe that baptism is the way to do that. Um, Jesus was our example and he was baptised. So <laughs> that's my next step in um, publicly showing my faith and taking the next step in my spiritual journey with God. Awesome. That's so cool. Come on. Awesome. Well, we're going to baptize Gabby, and it's not just a couple of us, but I actually want all of us to come up because we're a family, all right? Church is a family. So I want us all to come up. I don't care whether youth, young adult, older than that. Come up. We're going to baptize Gabby. Keep coming. Come on. Come on, we're doing this as a family. Squeeze up. Awesome, we've got Gabby's mum on Skype from South Africa. From South Africa. Hi, Gabby's mum. Hey. What we're going to do is we're going to baptise Gabby and then uh, two or three people will prophesy. I want uh, prophecy, so speaking into her life. And um, then I will close the gathering. And if you've got a word of encouragement or you really want to uh, yeah, pray an encouragement over Gabby, I'd encourage you to do that then. Uh, but we're going to first have a few prophecies. And then we'll go from there. Cool? Awesome. So, Gabby, I, I really felt, as I was thinking uh, today about this, I really felt God is saying that He's going to lead, lead you and guide you where few have tread. And I don't know whether that's physically going to places of few or uh, in a spiritual sense, but I, I believe that God is going to take you uh, because of your personality, because of who you are. And this is not going to be something that's going to be your, you doing but this is going to be because you have leaned on God, because you've relied on God. And you're going to find yourself in places, I think, that you're going to be like, wow, how have I gotten here? Why am I here? But God's going to remind you and God's going to affirm that He's led you here for a particular purpose and a particular reason that is beyond whatever you whatever you could imagine or dream. So I want to encourage that if you find yourself in, in a place you're like, God, what am I doing with my life? Why am I here? God has placed you there, whether it's big or small. God's placed you there because He wants you there. And there's something that only you have that's going to influence that situation or influence that place. Gabby, 
It is a great privilege to baptise you tonight in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Gabby, I um, got the, um, a couple of things for you. First of all, I uh, got the word colour for you. And I believe that God um, has placed a, a, a personality, He's given you a personality, a character of incredible colour, intense colour, not just, you know, the, the nice little pastels, but intense colour. And, and um, I, I felt to look up your name and I saw that it meant um, God is my strength. And I felt that that goes with um, the word colour that God gave me, is that um, it is a, an incredible intensity, the strength that is there, He has given to you. And, and I also then got a picture of, going with colour, I got a picture of a rainbow. And so I feel to actually encourage you um, that as you see a rainbow, because a rainbow is about a promise from God of, of, of protection um, over His people. And so I feel to encourage you that um, God is there with you and, and to remind you also whenever you see a rainbow that His promise is there for you and that He has called you to be a woman of great strength because God is your strength and of great um Courage and that intensity that comes with a, with colour, a boldness, a woman of strength, and that that is there for a reason, um, not to hold back in that, but it is there for a reason. That God hasn't placed the same personality or character in, in everyone, but He's given you that for a reason. So to so to step out boldly, to to let that incredible colour that He's placed there show to the people around you and wherever you go. So I'll add to that along the same lines. I, I really felt God was saying that you're a pace setter. And I asked for another picture to help shape it. And um, a thermostat, not a thermometer. So in other words, you're one that you don't go into an environment. He's not calling you to go into an environment and to measure it. He's calling you to set it. So uh, uh, the one who sets the pace, the one who sets the environment. So 
a leader, a leader. So lead strong, be bold. Hi, Gabby, congratulations. Your name's Gabriel, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is what I believe the Lord wants to say to you. Gabriel, there's a messenger of the, the angel Gabriel that carries the special messages of God to the earth. That angel's name is very significant, and I believe God wants you to carry special messages from him to share with people on the earth. Messages that will unlock people's hearts that are bound up. The Lord will give you the message to say to set them free, putting a key into their hearts. And as you speak the message, they're free because the anointing of God is flowing through you and it's from God to share with others. So as Jan has shared, as Sheridan has shared about walking boldly, make yourself available for the message of the Lord. And as you share the message, the message of His love, the message of His grace, the proclamation of His kingdom, you'll loose and free yourself to soar with the Lord in the Spirit and you can receive more and more from Him. So He's with you and He promises never to leave you nor forsake you. So God bless you, Gabriel. Hi. Um, I just got a, like, a picture of fire and like it didn't make sense to me until like, I've just heard everything and it's like God is saying that yeah the messages that you are going to carry are going to be so powerful like they're just going to be like a flame like lit in people's lives you're just going to like carry like a torch and just be like drop it and it's just going to like when you're like, you know, like just for God like you're going to be super strong like yeah you're, everything that you're going to say like it holds like weight it's not going to be like words that get lost in the wind it's going to actually have power that will change people's lives like everything you say will mean something like and when you pray for people like just it's just because you're praying it means a whole lot more like God uh, not like that he doesn't listen to people like just he's going oh it's Gabriel praying like you know what I mean like just how much much more powerful like yeah just a woman of prayer yeah fantastic hey if you've got a a word of encouragement for Gabby. I'd uh, love you to come and share that with her. But right now, the uh, going to call the gathering finished. Uh, but can I encourage you? Uh, let's be purposed in our giving. Um, thank you for for those who give, uh, and it is part of our part of our values uh, to be big-hearted. So, Lord, thank you that we are able to give because you have so graciously given to us. So, Lord, I pray that. Uh, we would freely give as you've freely given to us. That I pray that right now, any obstacles, anything that may be uh, shackling us in Jesus' name, may that be gone. And may there be a real ease, Lord, whatever it may be, to give to you as you deserve. Amen. Cool. So if you've got a word of encouragement, please come.